And welcome to the Max Revenue Show. I'm your host, Max Revenue. And in this episode, we talk about how to run your first meeting, your first research meeting. You've cold called in, you booked a meeting. Now what? You get there, there's a business owner. What do you say? How do you say it? How do you begin positioning to win the account with a BOR? Without further ado, let's get into it. All right, so Micah, one of the things that we've been getting a lot of questions on recently is, you know, what does your research meeting look like? And just to go back and get some context, our process or your process is basically cold call in. We're positioning from the get go uh, for a BOR. So we have to kind of start with the end in mind. We're calling in, we're using our due diligence call script uh, the Juan Million method, if you will. And if you don't know what that is, you can just go to the Max Revenue site and find that. Uh, but basically, you know, do you ever do any due diligence around your program? I can provide, you know, a lot of people want to know if, you know, maybe they're missing something or there's uh, a better price or, you know, maybe some coverage out there that they don't have. I, I can provide you those answers without disrupting your current broker relationship. All right, and then they're basically self-selecting in. Once they do that, you know, we're, we're setting up that first research meeting where we're either on the phone or on Zoom or in person, ideally, if they're close to you. You know, we're going in and we're, we're going to start getting the information we need to build our case. And I have watched your process evolve over the years and you reached out, I guess we were talking about it last week on how, you know, just trying to optimize what it is that you do to really focus on your processes and you, you've made some tweaks. And so now, you know, I thought it would be a good time because I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast to kind of look at, you know, what does that first research meeting look like? We've, we've set the appointment, we're going in, we're trying to uncover pain, we're trying to find out you know, where our possible opportunities are. So walk me through your process. What does the first research meeting look like? Yeah. Uh, let me clarify something too. Uh, you said uncover pain. I, I, so I don't use it as a meeting to necessarily uncover a ton of pain. Like um, I'm more so trying to gather some information on their company high level and then pique their curiosity with just one more step to saying yes to the due diligence because ultimately it's a setup part of the due diligence process. One is obviously gathering the, the information documents I need, but step two is a research meeting. And that's where now that I've seen their, you know, I can formulate my questions kind of based around what we talked about the first meeting, what we, what I see in the policies, you know, and then um, formulate my questions around that, I think, and have a better research call. And I, so I set that up as part of that. And that's where I, dig to try to find the pain, I guess, would be more in that. And then, you know, when I come back and kind of share what we found from the, you know, the due diligence findings and, and have a conversation, that's where I'm formulating the conversation around what they had expressed, you know, pain points to be. Um, but, but yeah, there is some pain uncovering in the first meeting, but it's, it's not necessarily the ultimate goal. Um, so I guess you want me to just kind of run through what I have, like what, how, how it looks. Yeah, let's let's okay. let's um, 
you know, I'm the business owner. I mean, we don't actually have to role play, but I'm the business owner and you're coming in for the first time. You know, what's that? What does that, what does it look like? Yeah. So, you know, um, here's the thing guys, you know, being a chameleon is, I think is one of the most underrated skills that really good salespeople have. Doesn't mean you change who you are, but you kind of adapt and, and, and match and mirror your audience. Right. So that's just a skill set that takes time to learn, but it's uh, the people I've seen be the best at sales can walk into a room with a, a type a personality or type B and, and be just fine. Right. So, but, but having a plan of and a roadmap of how you want this meeting to go is still important. It just might look a little bit different based on who you're talking to and, and whether you're over zoom or a phone call or in person, it might just all flow a little bit differently, but I try to create a structure so I can kind of follow it in my head. And I even type this out on paper um, just to kind of get better. Right. I think we can always get better. I've been doing this 12 years and I still want to, refine this meeting, right? So here's what it kind of looks like is, you know, obviously get in there and I like to, conf- I always, if I do a lot of my first meetings over the phone, right? So I'm just going to kind of pretend that this is that way. Um, and it's just going to start off with, you know, Hey, thanks again for the time is 15 minutes still work for you. Right. And I think we all know why, why I'm going to ask that question. It's, it's basically just to, to make sure people, people schedule changes, right? So just be mindful of that. But then right after that, I would, what I want to get into is kind of an intro statement. Um, and this is kind of what it would sound like. Again, this is a, you're not reading off a script, but this is kind of what I like to say. Hey, you know, uh, you know, let me start by saying I'm not a fit for everyone. You know, the purpose of this meeting is really not to convert you into working with me or even taking next steps, but really just to learn a little bit more about your situation and just to share a totally different approach to you that's helped a lot of other people. And if at the end you don't want to move forward or you just don't know what to do, no worries at all. Right. Sound good. And so the whole thing with that is just taking the pressure off, right? I, again, I'm not a fit for everyone. You know, th- they might just be a quoter still, right? And they want to learn about this process because that's how I set it up and they might not be a fit for them. And I don't want to kind of force, you know, a uh, square peg in a round hole. So, so I say that, they say, sure, sounds good, whatever. And then one of the first things I'll try to say before kind of getting what I would talk about is, Hey, before I jump into what I want to cover and address with you, was there anything in particular that you want to talk about? Or was there a specific reason you wanted to meet today? I'm sure you get a ton of salespeople reaching out to you and, and don't meet with all of us, but want to make sure I don't miss anything. So that's, that just helps me formulate, Hey, what's, what's the top priority to this person, right? What's top of mind for them? Cause maybe I don't even have to get into it. Maybe they're just really pissed off. We can on, on something, you know, certificate issues, right? We could just, like you, like I said, it's the goal isn't necessarily to make this fact finding, finding pain, but if it goes that way, we can kind of adapt and go that way, you know, but a lot of times I'll ask that question. I'll say not nothing, just kind of was interested and, you know, our insurance is coming up for renewal and like to hear more of what you got. So, so that's that. And then here's how I start off. Okay. Hey, Max, I know you own a plumbing company. Obviously I did my research online. I don't need you to regurgitate everything I can find there. However, I, I just help give me a better understanding of where you guys are at today. Like, Super high level, you know, what's your, what's y'all's bread and butter? Like, how are you guys making money? How's, how's business going overall? Right. And, and keep it high level. So then they'll talk. Some people talk a lot. Some talk a little, that's fine. doesn't matter. And then I like to go to sounds great. You know, over the next three years, like, where do you see the company going? What's your, what's your vision for the company? Uh, you know, this, that, okay. You know, and then it's, Hey, what are some of your top challenges that you see? Like, what, what do we, what do you think it, what get in your way of achieving those? Right. So what I've done here, and I've had this, a lot of people, like, I've never been asked a question like this by an insurance agent, right? Now I'm not going to go like down this path of going super high level, super, super consultative right away. 
And again, this is kind of where you got to adapt. If someone's like really short, you know, you maybe adapt the goal question and just say, hey, you know, formulate and use words that they that work for them. But again, these work well because you differentiate yourself. You kind of they see you as a more consultative person. And then after they share that, I say, hey, thanks for sharing all that information. So kind of just to get into the insurance specifically, you know, on a scale, I've, and these are a couple of questions I'm, I'm still working on. I think I like these. I've added them in. So let me know your thoughts, Max, actually. But uh, first question is, you know, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being you are totally in love with your insurance experience, how would you rate your satisfaction overall? Um, and then if not a 10, you know, let's just say, oh, we're a seven. Okay, great. Yeah, what would What would make it a 10? Okay. So that's the first question. Second question is how would you guys rate your, or how would you rate your profitability and your performance from like a claim standpoint for insurance companies? Are you, got, are you a cash cow? If you had some claims, just talk a little bit about that. And with all these questions, they're saying stuff, I'm peeling back layers a little bit. So just so you guys know. And then the third question I wanted to cover is, you know, what's been your process for doing due diligence over the last, let's just say three renewal cycles. What's that look like? Stop, let them talk. Again, this is where you peel back layers and work on your questioning. Um, and just so you guys know, there's something called uh, SPIN questions. It's an acronym. I can't take credit for it at all, but it's, you know, ask the situation. How would you describe your fill in the blank, right? And then how often does this happen to you? P, problem-based, right? Okay. Uh, you know, we, we don't get certificates in a timely fashion. It sucks. How often does this happen? Oh, it happens like weekly, man. How's that impacted you? I implication. What would happen if you don't fix this? Well, we could be kicked off a job site, you know, lose money. Okay. If this problem were solved, what would the benefit be to you? Payoff P you know, need, I guess. And I don't know how spin P is at the end, but anyways, you get the idea there. So that's the whole uh, sales pain questions. You know, tell me more, be specific. How long, what have you tried? How, how much cost? How would you feel? Have you given up on trying to fix this? That's another one you can add at the end. So those are questions that go, you know, after I ask these first three questions, those could all be kind of worked into this. Otherwise you can save those more for the research call. Just depends on the flow of the meeting. But, um, and you'd be surprised. You can get a lot of this accomplished in 10 to 15 minutes. Depends how much the person talks and how much small talk you, you put in here. So I guess before I go to the next uh, part of this meeting, Max, do you want, do you want to let me know your thoughts on those questions or should we just keep going and then go back? Gotcha. No, I like it. Okay. Okay. So after they've asked those questions, answered those questions on the insurance side of things, right? Then I say, all right, well, let me, let me just, you know, to, to dive further on the insurance piece here, let's talk a little about the insurance game kind of high level. I just call it the game, but what's your understanding of how the game works? And what I mean by game is when you try to get quotes, how is it distributed on the back end behind scenes? Can you just kind of give me your understanding of how that works, what it looks like? I get answers all over the board on this one, right? So a lot of times I'll be like, well, I think I know, but just tell me. Okay. Here's, here's what I'll tell you high level. There's hundreds, hundreds of insurance companies. And this is something I would get down pretty, pretty tight with your talk, talking. There's hundreds of insurance companies out there, but only two to 10, let's just say at most, would even quote your insurance, right? Out of these two to 10, most agents will have contracts with these carriers. So that's the first thing to understand. But the second thing to understand is that an underwriter at these two to 10 carriers can only release one quote to one agent on any given year. And they release it to the first agent who, who submits a, you know, the paperwork in 
who sends a submission in first. So what this creates is kind of a, a vicious cycle or a race to the, to the marketplace between competing agents and your incumbent agent. Competing agents are trying to talk to you early. They'd be meeting with you right now, Max, and saying, hey, let me go to the market really fast. You know, they might not tell you that, but they're going to try to go out there. And then what happens is your agent calls you when he tries to do his job and he's pissed because he can't shop. How's that fair to your agent too, by the way? Because now you just took markets from them. What if they wanted to go there, but they're not going to go six months early. That's just, that's ludicrous or five months early, right? That's way too early. And then on the flip side, your, your incumbent agent, it could also create more of a defensive mechanism with them where they know you're quoting kind of, and they're going to block the market. So they're not even truly shopping. They're just throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall, hoping it sticks and blocking the market. They're like, how we got to block all these markets so that this other agent doesn't go there first. But who loses in both situations? You do. Right, Max. I mean, that's ultimately what happens, um, and it's just—it's just frustrating because you probably want to get competitive quotes to make sure you're not overpaying, right? Yes. Okay. So, because of this, and the fact that most agencies have the same markets, what a lot of companies uh, have kind of given up on quoting, and the more successful companies have actually—they've um, started to move to a different model. Um, I'll just call it due diligence. Um, but what that really looks like is they've stopped looking at buying insurance like material, right? So like three different vendors, three different prices, I need plumbing. And instead they view insurance as if selling a house or if they were a pro athlete becoming a free agent, they pick one agent, they hire that person who based on who they think will represent them best uh, overall, right? For various reasons, service, who's going to get them the best price. They, they base all that on the interviews and they pick the one agent to provide the most value for the most, for the commissions, because all agents are getting the same commission from all these carriers. So there's no different overhead costs cooked in here. Um, you know, by the way, do you know what your agents paid max? No, no, uh, no. Yeah. So just take, you know, if you're, you're probably paying what 250,000 for your insurance. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're, let's just take 10% to make it easy. You're paying 25 grand, probably 30, maybe at most uh, for your insurance commissions. That's what your agent is making every year. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. So that's a lot you know, of money. It's, yeah. And it's important for you to know that, right? Cause you want to know, you know, it helps you evaluate, I think your partners, right? You, you know, what your employees make, you know what your subcontractors make. So don't you want to know what your insurance agent makes? Um, so usually at this point, the conversation makes what happens is people are like, well, how, I guess sounds great, but you know, how would you ever get new business then? If, you know, underwriters only lease one quote or whatever. And again, I said, I, I would say, Hey, you know, what I told you is they do the due diligence process and they pick their agent through who's going to show them the most value up front. And then they just say, Hey, this is the guy I'm trusting. This is the gal I'm trusting. I'm going to go forward based on what they showed me. And this is the reason I like due diligence and why I've created this due diligence process, because it doesn't waste your time, gives you a ton of valuable insights beyond just insurance around risk management, HR compliance, how to reduce overall cost. And uh, your broker doesn't even have to know if you do it, right? Um, but ultimately, it lets you you hold the power and decide who do I want to represent me. So it's just kind of an interview process tied in with due diligence. The reason I like the due diligence is again is it gives you an opportunity to see what I look like, how I work, how I operate throughout the process. Get get us a chance to know each other better. We this is the first time we ever talked, so you know you probably want to know who you're going to work with before you hire an agent, and um, it gives you real valuable information. So. You're probably wondering, you know, what's, what are the steps? It's, it's really easy. Um, step one, just send me documents, policies, last year's proposal. If you want to send me loss runs, that'd be helpful. Um, what you're going to get, I'm going to assess your rates, do a market assessment, look for overcharges, coverages, and programming issues. 
And then step two is after I gather all this, look at it, review it, a research call. And that could take anywhere from 10 minutes to 30 minutes to 45 minutes, depending, right? Um, just have a bunch of questions for you based around, um, you know, what I review, best practices I see, operations, get a better feel for your business. And then I'm going to come back and step three is to share it with you. I give you all this information. There's no cost. Um, real ideas that you can implement, whether you hire me or not. And one of two things is going to typically happen. Either I'm going to come back and you're going to see, wow, I got to fire my agent. I want to hire this guy because he's, he's pointing out some significant issues. Or I confirm you're in a great spot. You don't waste any time. You've maybe invested 30 minutes of your time and you know that your agent's taking good care of you. Go on your way and, and keep working with them. So, you know, um, would love to dive in and help you, but understand, obviously, this isn't a priority for everyone. So with that being said, what are your, what are your thoughts, Max? Yeah, no, I think that's great. <clears throat> um, a couple of questions here. So not as a business owner, but as Max. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, at, at least what I come across is, man, some of these business owners really go down rabbit holes. You know, we, before we can ever get started or really get where we want to go, you know, it's who you know and, you know, oh, well, I know Jeff. And then, well, Jeff's got a fishing camp over in wherever and you know, or we have a hunting camp in so-and-so. And, you like, they just – they they – talk about everything but the business. You know, it's a lot of these guys tend to be long-winded. They are type A personalities. You come into their office and next thing you know, they've completely taken over the conversation and have steered it in God knows which direction. How do you go about uh, setting the frame or controlling the conversation? Is it like, do you let them run down rabbit holes? Do you kind of constantly bring it back? Like, what do you do when you get one of these guys? Yeah, me down there. Um, yeah, so great question, dude. Um, what I would do in that scenario is, like I said, you got to be a chameleon a little bit. So you don't want to just like pull a 180, but you still want to. That's why I like to have the outline. So what I would do, you could start talking immediately right? To try to be like, or even bring a printed agenda, right? With you. I Ooh, sometimes I like, I like to, yeah, I, I like it because it shows that you're respectful of their time. And even if the guy doesn't want to follow it, it's something to get back to, right? And I'm not saying you, and all you have is three, four bullet points on there, right? Hey, here's what I want to talk about today. Um, but I think as he's talking, you're listening, of course, if he's going down a rabbit hole, but try to think of an opportunity where you can loop it back, right? Um, but Here's the other thing. If he's talking a ton and you're just going off all these tangents, maybe you shorten up, you know, this outline of the meeting a little bit and you just basically then what you want to get into is the insurance game. Sometimes I've had people be like, Hey, so tell me what it is you do, right? Just like, how are you guys different? How do you help people? And they don't even want to like, you know, talk high level stuff. And that's, I'm prepared to go right into that. Be like, well, okay, we could, we could do this. So um, let me take one step back. What do you guys typically do from a quoting standpoint? What's your due diligence process look like? Start there. And then go right back into my, okay, because now I understand, okay, what have they done? I want to make sure we are on the same page. And then I explain the insurance game. And then I talk about what other successful businesses are doing um, and have moved to, and then close up the meeting. I've literally done this meeting. I just did this last week in like five minutes. Gotcha. A, a contractor I was trying to get with forever. They're coming up in mid, late June. I've been trying for two months. He's canceled like two, three meetings. I keep calling. I was like, Hey man, if you want me to back out, I'll back. He's like, no, no, I'm still interested. I'm like, 
I said, here's, do you have five minutes right now? We can just cut what I want to talk about in this first meeting. We can talk about in five minutes or less. We, I think I got out in three minutes. It like, sounds good. Send me an email. I'll get you the info. Um, some people are just different. So yeah, I, I think that answered your question, but. Yeah. What about this? Uh, this is probably the same answer, but met with a foreign contractor. I don't know. I guess it was about two weeks ago. I come in. Uh, it's two different business owners. They're, they're partners. They're, they share an office. As I'm talking, they're basically like, hey, tell us what you got. Phone rings. One of them answers the phone. The other one's pecking away at his keyboard. Like, it, it, it was a total waste of my time. I'm talking. They're both distracted. One thinks the other's listening. The other's not listening. He's answering emails. You know, do you ever run in situations like that where? Yeah, they're just acting like they're just, I know exactly what you're saying. They're acting like they're basically like too busy and they're giving, they're just doing you a favor by meeting with you. I think, so what I did was I just got the hell out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of, you see the writing on the wall. Yeah. I'm like, listen guys, it seems like you guys, and, and, and you, not like you're being bullied uh, but you got to stand up for yourself as if that were the situation. Same thing if, like, uh, you know, I met with a uh, sand and gravel hauler the other day. Go into the meeting. Guy doesn't. Guy's a no show. I'm in his office. I'm, I'm meeting with his uh, his office manager. Comes in and sits down and asks me to present. And I was like, listen, I, you know, I'm not going to present unless all the stakeholders are involved. Let's give it, you know, 15 minutes. 20 minutes go by, guy's still not there. Hey, here's the deal. Um, I don't want to waste your time or my time. Doesn't seem like this is um, either we had a scheduling issue or maybe this isn't as much of a priority as I thought. Uh, I'll just circle back with insert name and uh, we'll, we'll see if this is still something he wants to do. But, you know, there's no sense in me continuing on if, if everybody's not going to be involved. What are your thoughts on, you know, kind of just, not standing up for yourself, but kind of just, you know, having some boundaries and um, getting the hell out of there when it seems like clearly uh, it's not a priority to them at the moment. No, I love it, man. I think you got to abort and you want to be respectful of your time and realize, you know, yes, you respect people, but they also need to respect. It's a two way street. Right. And um, I think you got to know when to abort. And, and so like the guy who's a no show, I think that's totally you know, I always kind of like the like Chris Voss labeling stuff. So if like I've ever caught that guy in the phone, and I called him back. I was like, Hey Bob, I saw you missed the meeting. I'm not going to make him feel bad about it. Right. But it's like, Hey Bob, saw you missed that meeting. It just seems to me like maybe insurance isn't a top priority for you right now, or it's not really an important issue. Is that, is that right? You know, and then let them talk because you may be, no, it is, man. I just got swamped. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'd be like, well, okay. Well, Hey, no, no pressure. I mean, if you don't want me, if you want to back off, I will, but you know, Otherwise, I have something I want to talk to you about, but I need you there. Can you make 15 minutes for this? And if not, I get it. I get it's just maybe not a priority. So um, I think giving, you know, when you, when you address them or you get a hold of that person who's ghosted you or whatever, I think it's it, that's the, the talk track I like to say. Um, but also giving them an out, too. It's like because some people will just feel bad saying no. So it's like, hey, man, if you want to say no, like, don't feel bad. I literally I do that so many times. Like, if you don't want to meet even in my cold call scripts, they'll be like, if you don't want to meet with me, no worries. Like my feelings won't be hurt. I just thought we could maybe help. Do you want to talk? You know? Um, 
Now with the the deal at the meeting, that's an interesting one too, because when you're actually in the meeting and they're doing it to you live, I think what I would do there is remember how I opened like, Hey, why am I even here today? I would kind of take that approach, but maybe be, be like, Hey guys, like next time they got off the keyboard or a phone call, like, Hey guys, you seem really busy today. Like maybe insurance just isn't really worth your time. Um, and that's totally cool if it is. However, you know, was there a specific reason you wanted me to come out here today or did you just feel bad saying no to me on the phone? Yep. I mean, what are they going to say to that? <laughs> you know, they're going to, uh, and who cares, right? If they get offended at that, but I mean, that's, that's a nice way to say it, right? You're just, you're just kind of calling it like you see it and, and putting it out there to them. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Anything else you want to touch on as far as this first research meeting? No, no, I think, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else in particular. I, I can't really think of anything. I mean, I know there's, they'll probably get some pushback. Like you get to this first meeting. Some people want to talk about experience mod or HR stuff or, and all that stuff's great. But again, remember I'm, I'm trying to really get into that at the meeting, the research meeting. I just want them to agree to do the due diligence process and to agree that, that it makes sense to do that. Then they, because then I feel like the research meeting, they understand it's set up. It's going to, I'm going to get more information from them anyways. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I guess the only other thing I was going to touch on and, um, you know, I've had questions about this as well is you start talking about, um, you know, the implications of what it means to do the due diligence. And then all of a sudden, you know, especially somebody who's an older business owner, who's maybe been burned in the past by a BOR, you'll get something to the effect of, Hey, is this one of those broker record letters? Cause I ain't doing that. No broker record letters. Ain't, ain't happening. You're going to have to compete for my business. Yeah. Nope. You'll definitely hear that in this process. Or even when you walk in the door first meeting or in the cold call, I'm not signing no letter, but you can come out here and talk to me. It's like, yep. all right, Steve. Um, and, and here's the thing. I'm not pushing back and fight with them. I'd be like, Hey, Steve. Well, first of all, I'd say, it sounds like you've been burned by a broker record letters in the past. What can you tell me more about that? great opportunity to now learn more, right? You're not just combating, you know, punch for punch. You're actually, you know, what is that? That little jujitsu, uh, what do they call that? Akaido or something like, anyways, Akido. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'd come back with that question, let him explain more and be like, Oh yeah, it makes tons of sense. What sounds to me like happened is this guy screwed you. It's one of the most abused tools out there, but ultimately what it does is just fires your guy and hires another guy, but you should only ever sign that if that's what you want to do. But it sounds like you were manipulated. I'm sorry to hear that, man. That sucks. Here's, here's where, what I'm saying. The difference is yes, I will ask you to hire me via broker or record letter. Just so you know, I'm, I'm an OPS kind of guy. However, I'm not going to ask that from you unless I think I can genuinely help improve your situation and make your life better. Right. And I don't even know if I can do that yet. I, I mean, we haven't even dove into my due diligence. That's where I find things out. And about half the time, guess what, Steve, I'm going to tell you, stay with your guy. But the other half, I'm going to say, Hey, I think we can do a better job. Here's why. And then the decisions back on you, but there's no pressure. I'm not going to twist your arm. I'm not going to try to manipulate you, scare you, pressure you, whatever. You're going to have this information. You can sit, sit, chew on it and come back whenever you're ready to tell me you want to hire me. And if you don't, that's fine too. Let's stay in touch. I'm in this for the long haul. I've been doing this for 12 years. I'm only 38 years old. We do this till I'm 60. So I'm going to be around. He'll probably chuckle. Boom. There you go. Great. Uh, I do have uh, interesting information that I thought I'd share with uh, for all those people who are still hanging around to the end. My parents visited this weekend and um, they brought hermit crabs 
to my kids. Mm. Yep. And interesting fact, hermit crabs can climb trees. We had them out in the backyard. Our backyard is turfed. Uh, we put, like put in turf, uh, yeah. not fancy or whatever, but we just have a lot of shade back there. So the grass doesn't grow real well. So we took the hermit crabs out and we put them on the ground, did a couple races, let them run around. Uh, I've got five kids. So we had five hermit crabs and we turned our back and uh, sparkle claw was nowhere to be found. We searched the entire backyard. No sparkle claw. We looked under the golf cart. We looked uh, in the bushes. We looked everywhere. Uh, we Googled hermit crabs escaping and saw a video <laughs> of a hermit crab climbing a tree. This hermit crab, uh, and, and there's no holes under our fence. I mean, this fence goes all the way to the ground. Um, a hermit crab, unless they show up somewhere, this hermit crab climbed a tree and exited our yard. So, wow. Yep. If you want to, if you did not know that, that is a true story. An hour later, uh, another crab went missing. And so within a matter of 36 hours, we lost two hermit crabs. And a um, lot of tears, a uh, lot of upset children. So we had to go down to the nearest Petco and get two more replacements. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. If you ever decide to get your daughter one, just know you better keep your eyes on it because they move quicker than you think, and they will climb a tree and get the hell out of there. So, Man, that no is – that's interesting. <laughs> that's probably the most valuable nugget from this whole podcast. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I had to share that with somebody. We had the um, – they had this uh, app called the Neighborhood App. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. Okay, so a lot of crazy people on there. But I basically put a posting up there for uh, missing hermit crab uh, and proceeded to, you know, put height, weight, gender, name, uh, all these things uh, to be on the lookout for hermit crabs. And you would be surprised at the responses. It was on, interesting. On, so on gender, did you put, go with the pronouns A-O-R-B-O-R? -R yeah. Well, I'll read you. <laughs> I will read you. Uh, let me see if I can find the neighborhood app. It's actually quite interesting. Uh, looks like I deleted it. All right, on Sunday nights, I delete a lot of the apps off my phone again, but basically it was like height, 1.7 inches, weight, 10 ounces, gender, uh -huh. non-binary, sex, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Eye color black, uh -huh. shell color brown with white specks. Goes by the name Sparkle Claw. Um, That's awesome. This is not a joke. Please, uh, fifty dollar cash reward. Uh, please, you know, please return if seen. And there was a number of uh, political comments on there about how my post was inappropriate. Go figure. There were also really? a number of other people that found it hilarious, and then there was also a third group that they definitely were like, "Eyes peeled. We're on Hermit Crab Watch 2023." So it was an interesting, it, uh, interesting weekend at the Revenue Household. That was like a that was like a microcosm of American society over the last <laughs> four or five years, right there, all in your little neighborhood, right? The people who are pissed <laughs> off and offended by everything, the people who love it, people yep. who just don't care, the people who want to help. That's just yes. That's awesome. Did I take did I take an opportunity to 
at my children's expense to throw some darts uh, at other people's ideology. Absolutely. And was it worth it? 100%. A lot of laughs. Thoroughly enjoyed it. All the dads in the neighborhood definitely got a kick out of it. It was it was well worth it. That's awesome. That's so funny, dude. So, anyways, well, why don't we? Uh, you know, we covered hermit crabs. Uh, we covered first research meeting. I think we have uh, kicked this horse plenty. Why don't we sign off for now? Sounds good to me. All right, I'll catch you on the next one. All right, adios, everyone. <laughs>